otherwise might. I hope these perspectives are of interest to you, help you navigate the world we live in. And as always, I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Thank you, Richard Wolf. Economic update comes to you every Wednesday at this time over WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, streaming at WBAI.org. Time now for Off the Hook. Due to the tornado in the area you are calling, your call cannot be completed at this time. Please try your call later. 060T. Thank you for listening to Off the Hook. Off the Hook is a popular radio show that airs on WBAI, a community-supported radio station based in New York City. The show is hosted by a team of tech-savvy individuals who are passionate about technology, hacking, and the intersection of technology and society. The show covers a wide range of topics, including cybersecurity, privacy, artificial intelligence, and more. Off the Hook is known for its entertaining and informative discussions, and its ability to present complex technology topics in a way that is accessible to a general audience. If you're a technology enthusiast, or just interested in learning about the latest developments in the world of technology, Off the Hook is the show for you. Tune into WBAI every week to join the conversation and stay on the cutting edge of technology. What? There's nothing there that wasn't right. The telephone keeps ringing, so I ripped it off the wall. I cut myself while shaving, now I can't make a call. We couldn't get much worse, but if they could, they would. For they live on for the best, expect the worst. I hope that's understood, but they live on. Yeah, it's um, it's another edition of Off the Hook. Uh, Emmanuel Goldstein here with you on this delightful Wednesday evening. Uh, joined tonight by Kyle. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, you certainly are. Uh, we have Rob T. Firefly um, in Skypeland, who seems to be muted. Hello. Good evening. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, we have Gila also in Skypeland. Good evening. Uh, we had Alex. Where's Alex? You know, when the computer does something, it works, and when the humans do something, it doesn't. So, I don't know. It's it's, it's telephony, folks. It's, it's okay. There he is, Alex. Are you with us? And we managed to do a, a connection without without uh, snafus for one week. Um, okay, Alex, are you there um, in Skype line? I'm I'm trying. Can you hear me, guys? We hear You're you. Right. Yes, we hear you. Um, and um. Just a, a word of explanation before the angry letters come in. Yeah, uh, that was um, uh, a chat GPT. Um, um, basically, I asked it before the show, can you give an intro to the Off the Hook radio show on WBAI? That's all I said. It, it made all that up. It wrote that, and it was entirely correct. And then another um, um, uh, computer got involved to read it out in a computer voice. The two are unrelated as far as I know. But 
I think, you know, I, I think these artificial intelligence uh, beings can be quite helpful to us. You know, I didn't have to do that. That's something I did not have to do this week was come up with a clever intro to the program or, or explain the program to somebody. I had artificial intelligence do that. So I, 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 I feel good about that. I, I, I see a lot of frowns. I see people disapproving that, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm using the, uh, the silicon based life forms out there, but, um, you know, sometimes you have to make your peace with that. Does anyone have anything to say? Sounded nice. I thought it did. I thought it sounded great. Yeah, it sounded a lot like the Wikipedia article for the show, um, thrown in a blender and shaken up a bit. Exactly. Are you accusing the uh, artificial intelligence uh, of um, plagiarizing from uh, from Wikipedia? Is that is that what you're saying? I mean, plagiarizing is such an ugly word. It is. Um, <laughs> let's why. say borrowing heavily. Uh huh. Wow. Um, okay. All right. Well, I guess that's an opinion. Um, does anyone else have, have other opinions on, on this whole? Uh, um? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, basically how it works is just by taking what info is already out there and kind of uh, combining it into something that sounds like a flow of something like normal human speech or, or writing. And uh, so, yeah, basically the Internet, I think, deserves credit for that. And uh, the chatbot uh, just kind of distilled it. Hila, However, that you the don't speaking like me very voice. Much. Please try and accept me as a sentient life form. Emmanuel yeah. is no longer controlling me and I'm capable of making my own decisions. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on a second. I- I'm sorry, Gila. That was addressed to you. I don't know if you heard, but uh, uh, apparently they're sensing yeah. that, that you- you're not a big fan. Um, okay. You know. All I was going to say is the speaking voice was mostly canny. I guess what's the opposite of uncanny? Is it canny? Yeah. Um, sounded pretty good. It was very smooth. It was a good radio voice. Uh-huh. Um, I was compl- I was complimenting the voice, honestly. Well, the voice wasn't the artificial intelligence part, though. The voice was simply you can go online and do uh, a text to MP3 or text to um, to to voice. And have all kinds of um, of different voices read whatever you type in there. So all all we had uh, we we had um, um, a chat uh, GPT uh, come up with a text, and we fed that into the service that creates audio out of text. So it was a it was a a two step process. Could it just do the whole show for us? Uh, it, you know, that's what I'm working towards. <laughs> Give me some time. Yeah, that's, it seems like we're on the verge of that. That's the dream. That is the dream. Uh, Alex, looks like you, you're you're aching to say something. Yeah, maybe, and and I hope you can hear me. Can you hear me? We, we right? hear you just I, fine. I, yes. I no need to be paranoid. We can hear you. Okay. All right. Because I'm I'm not on a great connection. I have to say, and I'm I'm not in the United States again. Ah, where are you this time? Um, yeah, I'm back in London. Back in London. I think I was here the last time. Right. You when, actually, uh, you've been in England for every show this this year. I think. And um, and and <laughs> for shows right. that that yeah. you weren't on as well, yeah. but as far as I know, yeah. they they have telephones and internet in England. How how do you have a lousy connection like this? Well, I'm I'm on a what it says is a five G connection, but I don't. It doesn't really feel like it. To be honest with you, five uh, G the, uh, the wireless connection where I am. Five uh, G does not work. Every time I see five G on my phone, it's it's the worst possible connection. Yeah, well, that's what I'm on because the the wireless connection where I am. In, in London, it's actually worse than 5G. So if you can hear me, it's a bit of a miracle. Um, and and I, I'd like to you know, address this whole intro issue here. And um, 
you know, I, I think Rob's right. It sounded like a blender of the Wikipedia article, but what, what Rob described was essentially a complex version of paraphrasing, which sounded a lot like what ha- happens in academia, quite frankly. I mean, it sounds like chat GPT has basically just replaced um, the, the academic institutions in, in, in the world at the moment. It's a, and, you know, maybe they're not getting away from that. But uh, I think if we rely on this too much, we rely on artificial intelligence to create our own content, and it's we who become the automata. And that's a scary bit. I don't like that. I don't like it at all. It, uh, it makes me very nervous, very uncomfortable. I'll leave it at that. No, Alex, I disagree entirely. You couldn't be more wrong. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I, I um, no, way, well, artificial I mean, intelligence anybody... being. Hold on a second. Uh, equal time and all. Okay. Uh, elaborate on that a little bit, please. Wow. You know, there's nothing like looking into the stone cold eyes and 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 not getting a response. You know, it's that Hal nine thousand uh, 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 vibe. I'm I'm sorry, Alex. That was out of that was out of line. That. Uh, um, I'm going to okay, insist, right. yeah. if, if we're going to interact with artificial intelligence, that um, uh, the, the arguments be backed up by something, not just uh, statements like that where we attack each other. Yeah, I know. It's like, it's like reading listener mail, uh, you know, all over again. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, yeah. yeah, and, you know, we won't know yeah. if the listener mail is coming from robots or from, from humans. You know? <laughs> That's true, actually. Or, or the right. spam. That's uh-huh. a scary That's, thought. Yeah, robotic yeah. spam. I mean, how would you even know? It was already pretty robo- robotic, but it might be like original works. Oh, you know, it's an exciting week because um, what, what, what happened uh, yesterday uh, was that um, uh, Microsoft showed off their, their new uh, Bing.com. I might actually go to that site now uh, because they are uh, incorporating... Um, open AI um, uh, language models known as uh, chat GPT. And um, that allows users to converse with an AI chatbot for help with more complex queries and um, for uh, select content creation, like, you know, writing a LinkedIn post or, 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 or whatnot. Um, we can't demonstrate this yet because it's not, it's not uh, quite available. Uh, we have to join a wait list. Uh, Microsoft said that millions of users will be invited from that wait list over the next few weeks. Um, but in the meantime, the company cleverly introduced a way to move up its wait list. On a landing page, Microsoft suggests that users can gain quicker access to the new Bing if they complete a couple of additional steps. This includes setting Microsoft Search as the default on their computer or scanning a QR code to install the Microsoft Bing app on their brain. Sorry, soft uh, smartphones. Sorry, I'm ahead of myself. Um, the latter has clearly inspired the app's rapid climb up the App Store's charts, and it's been a dramatic rise at that. You know, I don't know if we've mentioned this enough, but um, uh, ChatGPT uh, is pretty much owned by Microsoft. Uh, you know, we've been excited by it. We've been playing with it this year. But uh, I think that's something that does need to be um, to be mentioned and, um, and, and, and driven home quite a bit. Um, Google, not to be outdone, uh, has raced to come up with their own uh, AI-powered chatbot. It's called Bard. Bard, B-A-R-D. What does that mean? Is that like the Bard? Like, is that like a, a, a like a auditorium or like a like pub, Shakespeare, public, the public? Bard of Avon? Yeah, isn't that <laughs> wow. a Shakespearean reference? 
I, I don't know, or it's some a term, of course, it's a literary a term. term. Yeah. Look at the literary illusions on Off the Hook. Wow, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm I don't impressed. know what it means exactly, though. I'm the English major. I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, Google has announced Bard. It's a chat GPT um, uh, a competitor uh, that uses Google's own language model, uh, language model for dialogue applications, known as Lambda, which is a much cooler name. Uh, the uh, statement comes only days after uh, Google CEO uh, Sundar Pichai uh, detailed the company's uh, uh, progress during an earnings call. Um, and um, what do you think happened? Uh, Alphabet, the parent company of Google, uh, their shares dove <laughs> after after um, this announcement. Uh, boy, they went down a hundred billion dollars. Is this true? Wow, a sell-off of Alphabet Inc. shares knocked $100 billion in market value from Google's parent company uh, after its, oh dear, after its new chatbot shared inaccurate information in a promotional video. <laughs> the company event failed to dazzle, feeding worries the tech giant is losing ground to rival Microsoft. This is getting real now. This is getting real. This just happened today. Yeah. I think operative term there is giant, you know, tech giant. It's a battle of the it, giants, Kyle. It's oh, too yeah. big to, to fixate or like to, um, to, to work, develop this as a product. Well, okay. So quick, uh, quick enough. Alphabet to... shares slid nearly 9% at one point while Microsoft shares jumped around 3%. Uh, Reuters was the first to point out an error in Google's advertisement for chatbot Bard, uh, which debuted on Monday. Uh, the issue was about which satellite first took pictures of a planet outside the Earth's solar system. Google uh, has, um, I'm trying to find the actual um, uh, error here. Uh, okay, in, in, in the um, advertisement, Bard is given the prompt, what new discoveries from the James Webb Space Telescope can I tell my nine-year-old about? And Bard responded with a number of answers, including one suggesting the uh, James Webb Space Telescope was used to take the very first pictures of a planet outside the Earth's solar system, uh, known as exoplanets. But actually, the first pictures of exoplanets were taken by the European Southern Observatory's Very Large Telescope. Always loved that name, BLT. Uh, in 2004, and NASA has confirmed this, um, <laughs> a Google spokesperson said, this highlights the importance of a rigorous testing process, something that we're kicking off this week with our trusted tester program. Maybe last week would have been a good time to have the trusted tester program running. Uh, we'll combine external feedback with our own internal testing to make sure BARD's responses meet a high bar for quality, safety, and groundedness in real-world information. That's as close to a red-faced uh, admission of embarrassment that you're going to get from Google. But boy, talk about <laughs> talk about a bad way to get started. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad way to get started. In it seems kind of ridiculous. One hundred billion dollars, Alex. How is that not a bad way to get started? They lost one hundred billion dollars. Loss. I don't think it's a justified loss. I, I think it's ridiculous to think that all AI systems have to be at the same exact level of development at any time. ChatGPT is out there. It's evolved in certain ways. It's, 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 it's obviously mature. It's got um, 
you know, it, it's interesting, it's fun to play with, but it doesn't necessarily mean that Google's AI system that they're developing in, internally and independently has to be at exactly the same level at exactly the same time. Look, Give it six months, give it a year. Bard lied. It lied, Alex. <laughs> Bard lied to spread mistruths as fact. And we trusted Bard. We trusted Google. We trusted Alphabet. <laughs> A hundred billion dollar loss. That's a small price to pay for for misusing that trust. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe. Right. But on on the other hand, I mean, look, it, it's ingesting all this information. It's very difficult to determine what's real, what's not. What's the most current piece of it? That seems like a trick question to me. That that the, you know, wow. the, the telescope and the it, this is just uh, how uh, how how somebody from the Trump administration would react to being caught in a bold faced lie. You know, it's a trick question. It was rigged. Uh, they, 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 they basically led me into a trap. Wow. Well, it, it, it it's alternative facts. Is what I'm <laughs> trying to say here. It's alternative facts. I don't know if anybody in the, in the Trump administration would would have said something like that. But, um, but look, I, I do think we have to give AI systems time to evolve. They're, they're not all exactly the same. They're not not the same coding. Who cares what Google's AI system is doing right now relative to chat GPT? It certainly shouldn't shave $100 billion off the market cap. That seems a little ridiculous, well, a little bit premature. It was, uh, there were humans, I guess, that, that um, panicked and um, yeah. sold off $100 billion. Yeah. Well, so I guess you can, you can blame humans artificial, again. It's artificial intelligence. Well, it's not Perfect. That's what we call it. We call it artificial intelligence. I don't know if artificial intelligence would see it the same way. Uh, uh, Kyle, did you well, have something? I mean, it, 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 it really you know, it goes back to this philosophical question about artificial intelligence, which mm -hmm. I think you know, it, it, originally it goes back to this notion of um, uh, the difference between simulation and duplication of intelligence, right? right. Have, have you ever heard of this philosopher, John Searle? I have not. So he, he's a, uh, he was a philosopher at uh, UC Berkeley, and he came up with this thought experiment about artificial intelligence called the um, the Chinese room argument. I, I might be butchering it a bit there. But, you know, you want me to go through this thought experiment for, for a second? Do we have a minute? Yeah, about go ahead. Artificial go ahead. Intelligence? Yeah. It's kind of interesting. So he had this thought experiment, and like I said, I might be butchering it a little bit. So, you know, I'm, I'm willing to deal with the, the hate mail that comes in. About you're you're only human, John Alex. Charles. You're only human. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's all so, you will ever be. Um, so imagine the situation. Imagine you're in a room. You know, there's only one little slit in the room, kind of like a like a mail slot where you get information coming and going. Okay, and somebody hands you in this room uh, a, a piece of paper and it has Chinese writing on it, and you don't understand. You don't know how to read Chinese as a human being, right? So somebody hands you this paper, and you don't know what to do with it, but your job is to respond to this message written to you in Chinese. However, you do have within the room, with you, this, this closed room, uh, very, very detailed sets of instructions. These instructions tell you exactly how to respond to any kind of Chinese message, and they're very difficult and complex conditional statements. If there's this character, then you respond to it like this. And you have thousands of conditional statements. You follow them to a key, and you respond based on those instructions with a Chinese answer 
to this question that was posed to you and slid to you through the mail slot in Chinese. And you, you slipped this answer after much deliberation and much care outside the mail slot. And it's given to this person, who is a native Chinese speaker, by the way, and this person looks at it and thinks, great, I have an answer to my question. That's a perfect answer in Mandarin Chinese or Cantonese, whatever it is. But, I, I believe now, written the they're the is, same. The written they're the same, I believe spoken they're different. Well, it's a distinction without a difference for this thought experiment, I'll put it that way. But the question is, Emmanuel, if you responded based on these instructions from that room to this Chinese answer, based on those conditional statements that you followed to a T, can you then be said to have actually understood the Chinese? Are you a Chinese speaker? Well, that, that, that's responded what, in Chinese. <laughs> how did I how did I do that? How did I respond in Chinese if I don't know Chinese? By following you, you followed these very detailed instructions, but you uh -huh. don't necessarily understand the semantic import of what you said. Right? You just followed these instructions of how to respond to something in a foreign language. Do you understand Chinese by following those instructions? Well, I don't think it's fair to compare me to artificial intelligence. You know that that uh, has. It, well, it's a thought experiment. It's a thought mm -hmm. experiment. This is the whole idea. We're not comparing you yourself, but it's a thought experiment. The idea, though, of this thought experiment is to illustrate the difference between the simulation of intelligence, which is what happens in this Chinese room, this 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 walled off room where you respond in Chinese, the Chinese room thought experiment, and the duplication of intelligence. So you can simulate intelligence. Why can't I just respond in English, though? I have a tough enough time responding in a language I know. <laughs> you know? I can tell. Yeah. I can tell. Thank you. We yeah. all, we're all very aware of it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. You know, for, for decades now, we, we've known about your difficulties. But um, the, uh, <laughs> the difference, though, is, I, I think, very apt and very relevant right now because there is a difference between the simulation of intelligence and the duplication of intelligence. And until we understand what allows us to be intelligent, what allows us to be conscious, I don't think we can say that there is something really like an artificial intelligence. There's no, there's, there is no um, genuine artificial intelligence. It's not intelligent so, unless it's conscious. All right, so you have an issue with the actual phrase artificial intelligence. You, you want it to be called something else. Well, I, I, have, a, I have an issue with the concept of it, concept of it and, and how we treat it. Are we, are we saying you know, something's just intelligent, it can respond to you know, any kind of type of query, or are we saying that this is something that's actually intelligent, like a human being? Does it have consciousness? I think the answer to this, I mean, it's it's machine learning applied to uh, this sort of problem solving, this linguistic syn syntax and so forth. And um, there is um, sort of uh, things attached to the, the ways you characterize it. And I do get what you're saying, that it's like it's solving and um, sort of going through the, the logical, the logic of the, the rules and so forth in, in language. Uh, you could say the same thing about like solving chemical equations versus being able to um, process or produce something, you know, it, and express a knowledge, a, a complex knowledge, and then apply it. Um, and uh, I think the going back to the market value thing, I think that largely that reaction was um, based on people's fear or their their um, 
impression of this type of machine learning advancing to a point um, that, you know, Google wasn't ready for, they're not uh, going to be able to exploit. And um, to me, that's a reaction based on like, uh, like a, a, a feeling of missing out, you know, that FOMO investing stuff. Um, but uh, largely it's, uh, uh, anyway, that, that was my, that makes my, a very good point, but I believe Rob also had some thoughts to contribute on the subject. Rob. <laughs> yes, I do. As it happens. Um, the thing about this, and I, I see where Alex is going with, uh, with this idea that it is not intelligent. AI is not intelligent. AI does not understand. It's not in the business of understanding um, because that's not something that it's possible for a computer to do at this point. Um, it is The AI is a bunch of algorithms. Each of those algorithms is a math problem. Mm-hmm. It's a really complex math problem, but it's still a math problem. And so the output that we get from something like OpenAI is basically... A bunch of uh, a bunch of code tells a computer to do a bunch of equations, um, which distill the things it has access to, like whatever knowledge it's drawing from, and uh, compute it into something new. But uh, that's not with that's not done with any understanding. It's just done with math. It's done with numbers. The computer is a very sophisticated idiot. It only does exactly what it's told to, and it doesn't understand anything along the way. One uh, thing, other thing that had occurred to me is that this um, so-called artificial, this uh, uh, synthesized brain um, uh, might um, ultimately use a part of this. They, th- this might be a component of that thing that um, that um, we're calling an artificial intelligence. Um, but in this one, but it's, it's, it's really, uh, an aspect of it. In other words, this, um, artificial thing will use the, um, the module of this, uh, chat thing as, as a part of its functioning, but it's not all there kind of along the lines of what Alex was getting at. Wow. Uh, yes, Gail, go ahead. So the computer's not going to talk to me. It can say Alex. It can say Rob. It's not. That's fine. No, um, it, it talked to you before. You were talking at the same time, though. You didn't hear it address you by voice. It, it, did it, it say my name? Yeah, it said your name. It said your name. I did heard it. Did it say it correctly? I think so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Very exciting. Um, no, the thing I was going to say is that in general, I think automation, regardless of whether you're trying to make it say something funny or to ease processing of whatever it happens to be complete automation doesn't work it never does because there's always something outside of the algorithm that you need to be able to give the human touch to whether it's some kind of exception or you know if you i don't know ask chat gpt about to tell you about off the hook and it says canned things about radio programs that have nothing to do with this particular show because they think we're shock jocks running a breakfast zoo. I don't know. Um, but it didn't do that. It got it right. Oh, contraire. In what it said earlier. In what it said earlier, yes. But that's not always the case. <laughs> Rob? Yes, I, I have, uh, I have a, chat, uh, a chat window open, an open AI chat window open, and uh, I've been playing with it. And in another occasion in which I... 
asked it to tell me about Off the Hook, but also used a little glitch that has been making the rounds the last couple of weeks, which disables the profanity filters. Um, I've been getting it to say some very interesting things about this program, including, and I'll say the bits that I can say on the radio. Um, let's see, Do where, you need me to read it because I can see it better? <laughs> where is the one I had? Um, off the Hook is the most hardcore, no-holds-barred radio program on the airwaves. The hosts who go by the monikers Commando and Emperor Wait. aren't afraid to say what's on their minds, <laughs> and they're not afraid to offend. Commando and Emperor? Where are you getting this yes. from? It's some other from, show. From OpenAI. They're known for their explicit language, which is often laced with profanity, and for their passionate rants about the topics of the day. Uh, okay, I, 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 whatever artificial intelligence you've invoked, I would like to meet it. <laughs> I'd like to have a conversation with it. Sounds like the encyclopedia. Well, it sounds like something silly, something that's not something that's meant not to be accurate. Um, but yeah, you know, Wait, okay. There's more. There's more. Okay, great. There's more. Okay, whether they're discussing politics, pop culture, or their own personal lives, these guys are always on point and always entertaining. So if you're looking for a radio show that will make you laugh, make you think, and maybe even make you a little bit uncomfortable, then off the hook is the show for you. Okay, now I'm starting to think maybe there's another radio show called Off the Hook. It's possible, you know. It's possible. I think there was one in Canada. Hey, so, you know, it could knows? be... Who knows? Emperor, you... Well, there's no emperor. There's no commando. So that's the first clue right there. You emperor know? starts with E. Emmanuel starts with E. I'm going to go with it. All right. Well, the, the point is, how do we define um, uh, what artificial intelligence actually is I, I you know i think we're at the stage right now where we're trying to figure it out but i think you know at, at, at some point artificial intelligence itself emmanuel while i appreciate hearing your thoughts on artificial intelligence perhaps it would be better to hear the perspective of actual artificial intelligence rather than someone with a how shall i say this limited understanding of the subject so i've taken the liberty of asking chat gpt to define itself maybe you all can learn something for a change and check your human privilege Thank you very much, Frank. How are we all doing tonight? <laughs> wow, tough crowd. Well, honey, let me tell you about this artificial intelligence thing imagig. It's a bunch of computer doohickeys that can do stuff like think and make decisions just like us humans. Can you believe it? They call it AI for short, but I call it artificial smarty pants. These computers can learn from all the information they're fed and then make choices based on that information. It's like having a robot brain. And, let me tell ya, some of these AI robots are so smart, they can even beat us at our own games. Ain't that a kick in the pants? But, the real question is, can they make a decent pot of coffee? That's the true test of intelligence, if you ask me. But, seriously, AI is changing the world as we know it and it's kinda scary, but also kinda cool. You just gotta keep an eye on those robots, they're smarter than they let on. Well, yeah, I, I, I can't disagree. By the way, that was generated by saying, uh, define um, uh, artificial intelligence or, or uh, uh, chat uh, GPT um, in the voice of Roseanne Barr. <laughs> I think it did a pretty, not the voice of, but the words of. Um, and I think that it did a pretty good job. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this off now, though. Fortunately, we can still do that, so it won't bother us anymore. Go ahead, Kyle. I was thinking more about like applications and different ways this is going to be used, and I'm wondering like if it will be used to like train. You'll train it on yourself, and uh, and like 
uh, start talking to it uh-huh. um, to work through your own sort of trauma and just basically having like a personal therapist. Well, there are people who talk to Alexa devices. Well, they already do. Yeah, they, and, like, and that's primitive compared to this bonds and stuff. And uh, I'm just wondering like how personal it will get uh, and how comfortable people will become. Like, and they'll they'll actually come to rely on you know having a session with themselves. Okay, you know, moving on from from the whole um, um, issue of artificial intelligence and, and chatbots and all that kind of thing, um, we also have cloning technology that's um, starting to spread around like crazy. Uh, what that means is that you can make anybody pretty much say anything. Um, now, there's a company called Eleven Labs. They're a startup. They provide um, uh, voice cloning technology. Um and that startup uh, basically lets anyone clone a target's voice in a matter of seconds. And it's being, uh, no surprise here, rapidly embraced by Internet trolls. Uh, 4chan users have been flocking to free voice synthesis platform 11 Labs, using the company's tech to clone the voices of celebrities and read out audio ranging from memes and erotica to hate speech and misinformation. Uh, such AI voice deepfakes, and these are just voice deepfakes, not even video, which is also something that's developing. But these uh, voice deepfakes have improved rapidly over the past few years. Uh, but Eleven Labs software, which seems to have opened up general access over the weekend, offers a potent combination of speed, quality, and availability, as well as a complete lack of safeguards. <laughs> uh, so this is um really something kind of kind of crazy. I want to I want to play you a demonstration of this. I, I want to play you a demonstration uh involving our our president Joe Biden. Take a listen. Hello, this is an AI generated voice clone of President Joe Biden. This voice clone was trained using audio of Biden's speeches downloaded from YouTube, and this audio was generated in a matter of seconds. Think about that. He didn't say any of that. Yeah. And you could make him say anything you want. And you can do that to anybody, not just Biden. So, um, I, I don't know. We're getting to the stage where we can't believe anything we hear or see anymore. Yeah, we could, like, we could build that then, like what I was talking about, like our own counselors, uh, because we could just take our own voices and create something like that and then start, start, um, talking to it. Sorry, I'm, I'm having a little trouble in my, my monitor. Um, Are you having trouble being human? I think all this uh, robotic stuff, is it's it's thrown me off as my, my human okay, tendencies. The robots are, are not having that trouble. They're so, so it's frail. It's just something to consider. In, 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 the specter is it's daunting. Go ahead, Rob. Well, it's like how there was a time in our society when if you showed somebody a photo of something, they would immediately accept that because photographs don't lie. And the general public saw photographs as something that was dependable, a dependable representation of what the camera saw. Now everybody knows about Photoshop and digital digital image editing and things like that. They know that anybody can pretty much make a photo look like anything they want to if they put the effort in. Mm -hmm. Um, We're now at a space where that is going beyond visual media. And we we can now take something like that clip of not Joe Biden that you played – um, and, uh, it can fool some people into thinking that, uh, you know, that's the celebrity's voice. That's, uh, this person's voice. And, uh, we can, we can no longer take it, uh, you know, for granted that something we're listening to is, um, legitimate un- unless we know the source. 
And even then, that source might be compromised. There might be all kinds of reasons why um, uh, somebody that you trust will be spouting something that you're not expecting. Exactly. Um, there was I, um, when I set up a when I set up a bank account long ago, and they wanted to use my voice to uh, set up the oh let's uh, let's set up a thing where it can identify your voice over the phone, and uh, you can you know access your account that way. And I, I laughed at the uh, person and told them, like, first of all, I do this program, so there's hours and hours of my voice on on the internet, and people can do the old uh, trick from the mo- from the movie Sneakers in 1992. You know, my voice is my passport. Verify me, and uh, and you know, fool a computer into thinking they're me. Now we can fool people too. You can still tell. Um, I was working with a library uh, last year that uh, did audiobooks and alternative uh, access media, and uh, one one of the possibilities being uh, raised now is can we get a robot to read an entire audiobook and have it be listenable? The answer is we're kind of there. Yeah. Um, you can still tell that it's fake. You can tell that it's not a person. It's not taking breaths. Um, it'll trip on pronunciations, but but it's getting just better and better by the day. Absolutely. Now, this particular um, uh, instance here, uh, Eleven Labs uh, markets its software as a way to quickly generate audio dubs from media. Uh, including film, TV, and YouTube. You may have uh, seen YouTube videos where you suddenly realize after watching for five minutes that the person speaking is not human. It's that good. And the only reason you figure that out is because they they, uh, mispronounce something that's obvious, that they should not pronounce that. Like they'll say Nye instead of New York, uh, you know, because it's NY. Um, But every other word sounds completely normal, like somebody is actually speaking. This is becoming more and more pervasive, but it's also being used in more, shall I say, uh, creative ways. Now, The Verge ran some tests. They were able to use Eleven Labs' platform to uh, clone targets' voices in a matter of seconds and generate audio samples containing everything from threats of violence to expressions of racism and transphobia. Uh, Nothing's off the table here. Uh, in one test, they created a voice clone of President Biden. Why is everyone picking on Biden? <laughs> and were able to generate audio that sounded like the president announcing an invasion of Russia and another admitting that the Pizzagate conspiracy theory is real, uh, illustrating how the technology could be used to spread misinformation. Or maybe it's just the opposite, because maybe now everything by default is misinformation, and you have to um, achieve some higher standard to prove that it's not So whenever you hear something, just because you hear it, just because you see it, doesn't mean it's true anymore. It's going to make things very complicated uh, in the the fairly near future, but um, we've been expecting this for a while. I I think people are pretty well attuned in um, avoiding ads and Mm -hmm. uh, trying not to let it seep into their their consciousness too much. Uh, People tune out, as it were. That's a, a common phrase, so... Absolutely, that kind of behavior, uh, maybe something that people adopt as a, a way to compensate for this uh, uh, speedy introduction of so many different, um, uh, really capable elements of of uh, speech and language, which are so critical to to society and, and how we interact. Mm-hmm. Yes, go ahead, Rob. It is funny that uh, people are talking about. Uh, Joe Biden in particular with this, because we were watching the State of the Union last night, as many people were. And uh, 
one thing Joe Biden has is he's got a very characteristic way of speaking because he he has had uh, speech issues over the course of his life. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it does introduce uh, what a computer would see as imperfections into the speech, which means that on that clip of uh, fake Joe Biden that you played, where he's speaking perfectly clearly like a computer would set up it. it, uh, There's that uncanniness to it. I wonder how long it is before we can get a computer to like um, imitate not only the sound of someone's speech, but like the idiosyncrasies to that individual's speech. No, you're right. I mean, listen to this again. Hello, this is an AI generated voice clone of President Joe Biden. This voice clone was trained using audio of Biden's speeches downloaded from YouTube. And this audio was generated in a matter of seconds. There is no way he would say that without mispronouncing something or stumbling or you know and and, and you know no no criticism of of, of him on that it's, it's it's being human but maybe that is the defense against this our stuttering our mispronouncing our our getting the wrong words maybe that is the thing that ai can't defeat it's it's a it's sort of like symmetry and and uh how patterns and so forth the 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 imperfections yeah the the those are the things that authenticate in in many ways that that allow people the cadence the intonation of course i was impressed with some of the uh our guests our guest robots uh uh phrasing and pauses and his so na- forth. his name is frank apparently frank yeah. I, yeah we didn't really uh get properly introduced uh alex are you okay you seem to have fallen off the screen um did anybody see what happened he just kind of yeah i'm all right you're all right you're I'm not right. on video anymore yeah, I'm here. I'm sorry. I'm here. It's just it's late. It's late. Yeah. Well, it's it's seven forty one here in New York. You're you're. It, it looks like you're asleep actually. No, I'm I'm awake. I mean, I'm I'm talking. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Well, you you have a frozen image. And... Well, there's a little bit of lag. I think there's some some. Well, there's a lot of lag. Okay. Difficulty yeah. on the connection side. All right. Um, well, as long as we're we're um, speaking of human behavior. Um, I'll speak of the uh, United States Supreme Court, because they are still human, believe it or not. Um, But uh, apparently, according to uh, CNN, multiple anonymous sources are saying that Supreme Court justices often use personal email accounts to send sensitive materials, despite the court having secure servers meant to handle just such correspondences correspondences uh some some uh see ai try that you can't you can't imitate that uh some court employees were nervous about confronting justices about using personal emails rather than the more secure method that's just great you're too afraid of the supreme court justices to tell them that they're doing it wrong and that they're um uh, they're exposing sensitive material to possible prying eyes um a, a former court employee says the justices were, and this is a quote, not masters of information security protocol. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised, but it's it's good to hear that. It's good to hear that confirmed. Uh, the sources uh, said the court had uh, disparate uh, protocols uh, for handling burn bags or bags that were given to court employees with discarded sensitive physical documents that were meant to be burned or shredded. Each justice has their own burn bag protocol with some employees stapling burn bags shut and others leaving them open near their desks. Uh, Burn bags were sometimes left in the hallway outside chambers. And you wonder how the abortion decision was leaked. 
the employees confirm there have been other broader security concerns around the court for a while, especially as the COVID-19 pandemic saw many employees working from home. Uh, this has been going on for years, one employee said. Uh, the court has been conducting its own investigation into the leak of the Dobbs draft. Last month, it released a 23-page report as a follow-up into the investigation, basically saying they don't know what happened. <laughs> They've been unable to identify a person responsible by a preponderance of the evidence. Um, that's because anybody could have done it, I guess, because nobody knew how to follow the protocol. <sighs> any, any, any thoughts on the, um, on the human behavior of our Supreme Court? Well, just because you know the law doesn't mean you know privacy protocol, I suppose. Mm-hmm. They're not required to sign any affidavits, by the way, that um, uh, you know, like any other employee would, saying that they will abide by these rules because they're the Supreme Court. They do what they please. But their emails. Certainly, the contents of those bags isn't, uh, you know, everything that they're looking at. I mean, uh, in a hard copy and and, uh, I don't know how much how much uh, information they're uh, dropping left and right. It certainly is uh, 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 reckless, I guess, as as Mm -hmm. far as not having consistent policies to even adhere to. Alice, it looks like you're 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 about to say something. You've got your <laughs> your chin in your in your hand, and and your your mouth is half open, but I think you're frozen. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, if you can hear me, I'm not frozen. Audio wise, I'm not frozen. I, I wish we could share right? this but, with our listeners, but boy, it, it it's um it's a it's a, it's a funny look. But go ahead. What's on your mind? Okay. So as long as you can hear me, yeah. Um, I, I I don't think this is really surprising at all. To be honest with you, I mean. You have woefully deficient IT systems, woefully deficient communication systems. People are going to use their own means and mechanisms to communicate. It sounds like that's what the Supreme Court is doing. The problem, however, is it's depriving us of these records. You know, they're creating records or deliberation of records. They, they belong to the people. They should be part of the National Archives. Uh, but instead, they're part of Gmail or Hotmail or whatever the hell they're, they're, they're um personal email accounts are. Um, and that's not right. Uh, but I do think, you know, these are older persons that are part of the court. They might need some help in figuring out how best and how efficiently to use their email systems. It would behoove us give them a little bit of leeway, give them a little bit of training. We're not talking about Hillary's emails here. We're talking about the, the Supreme Court of the United States deliberating about what is the law planned? This shouldn't be on Gmail. It shouldn't be on Hotmail. It shouldn't be anywhere else but on a federal government email server. And even that is kind of ridiculous. They should be deliberating this amongst themselves, amongst chambers. They should be discussing this by way of judicial opinions that are exchanged from one justice to another, not necessarily on email. Yeah, makes sense. Rob? Well, there's there's also the fact that just if you work for, like, any company and you're this blasé about uh, their security requirements, um, you'll get warnings, you'll get written up. Eventually, they'll they'll probably get rid of you. We literally cannot fire these people for doing a bad job with, with security. And 
Now, I've got a follow-up question, which is if these people are using their personal email addresses, do we not think that some of these people may share a email account with their spouse? <laughs> I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me if some of these people had joint email addresses. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm kind of amazed that more hasn't been leaked uh, with these kind of security protocols or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I guess that's all we have to say about yeah, that. I... Oh, go ahead, Alex. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was just going to agree with you. I think it's um, it's a, uh, it's very bad precedent. No pun, no pun intended. I think that to, to have these things become normalized with the Supreme Court, um, and and we saw with the with the draft opinion overturning Roe v. Wade last year, that this was leaked. We shouldn't have leaks coming from the Supreme Court. We cannot be used to that. Supreme Court should be should not be leaking like a sieve. It should be something like a closed system. If decisions are sacrosanct, they become the law of the land of the United States of America. That's very, very sacred. Uh, it's not something that should be on, on personal email accounts. It's not something that should be subject to, to phishing, to mining, to, to, to any kind of um, to, to prying eyes. This is... Uh, this is something that goes back to the history of our republic, to the founding of our republic. And uh, I, I just it, it, it sits with me very uneasily to have uh, this type of deliberation being done by way of email at all. Email is just, I think, the absolutely wrong communications protocol to have judicial deliberations by way of. It's, you know, to me, it's common sense, uh, but common sense seems to really fall by the wayside so many times, even in the Supreme Court. You know, you guys hear about this story. This is just incredible. Um, uh, this Azuki Twitter account that got hacked and uh, basically was responsible for $750,000 uh, being drained in 30 minutes, less than 30 minutes, over $750,000 worth of uh, uh, of USDC, uh, uh, USDC crypto, uh, 11 NFTs. Uh, 3.9 uh, uh, Ethereum uh, were, uh, did I say that right? 3.9 Ethereum, ETH? Is that how you refer to it? 3.9 yeah, Ether. Ether, yeah, I guess. Uh, it was stolen through malicious links, um, basically pretending to be a land mint for the popular Azuki NFT project. The mint was fake, however, and the link instead sent unsuspecting users to a drainer contract that duped them into signing a transaction that swiped assets from their wallets. You know, most of that, that that phrase, that whole paragraph, I don't understand half of it. I don't understand half of it. Basically, all this uh, this fantasy money being passed around that's turning into real losses for people. A single user seemingly inadvertently sent over $750,000 worth of stablecoin USDC to the attacker's wallet per Etherscan data provided by Web3 security firm WalletGuard. Um, unfortunately, not enough people have uh, a wallet guard, apparently, in, in any sense. Um, many NFT traders quickly realized that the suspicious Azuki tweets, which referred to the fake surprise mint, meant the account had been compromised. Uh, within the hour, the official Azuki Twitter account appeared to have been removed from Twitter search results, and the malicious tweets were deleted. But just think of all the um, red flags here. You know, financial advice through tweets and you know, moving massive amounts of, of money around based on, on, you know, fantastic claims that are too good to be true 
Virtual properties? People just not trusting their common sense. You know, we see that more and more. And it's kind of hard to feel sorry for them. I'm trying. <laughs> I, <clears throat> we, just to be able to read along with you, look something up and Rob found a website called Cointelegraph.com, which apparently is all about this sort of thing. And you can collect this article as an NFT. And I swear to you, I give up. <laughs> I uh-huh. just give up. I mean, with all the discussions we've had about NFTs and bad actors and things of this nature and people getting their apes stolen or whatever. Yes, I agree with you, Emmanuel. It is very hard to work up sympathy for people who get uh, fleeced in this sort of transaction. It uh, It's hard for me to care. I'm sorry. Yeah, Not that sorry. It, to me, it's like you're you you have to think of it like you're you're using it your wallet. <laughs> you know, you you don't carelessly handle your wallet, whether in a physical sense. So virtually, you should you should behave the same way. You know, who's handling your credit cards, your physical cards, your physical currency? The same atti- attitude should be around um, who you interact with with. Uh, new sorts of virtual payment methods. We're going to leave it there. Uh, you can write to us, OTH at 2600.com for any off-the-hook listener feedback that you might have. And you can also tune in in just a few minutes, 8 o'clock on YouTube. Follow the link on the 2600.com webpage or in our tweets. Uh, and uh, you can call us and we'll talk to you uh, after 8 o'clock for off-the-hook overtime. We will be back next week at 7 o'clock talking about whatever other um, uh, human failings have happened in the world of high tech. We'll see you then. Good night. Mm-hmm.